Welcome to the Empower to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today in the show, we talk about, uh, man, one of maybe the hardest uh, connecting practices to get started for some people, um, but one of, again, the most imperative practices of connected relationships, which is repair reflect and readjust. And so uh, we'll talk about this in pretty good depth during the actual episode, but rather than this being a lesson on apologizing and here's how to apologize, um, we're going to talk pretty in depth about what this actually looks like, um, the modeling aspects of it for our kids, the aspects of of healthy relationship building, um, how to actually do this. Uh, but we're going to talk about all that in, in pretty good depth with one of our favorite people, um, Antila Love, who is a Cultivate Connection facilitator and also a staff person with um, one of our programs at Empower to Connect, which is called Safe and Secure Tennessee. She does some work with Memphis Family Connection Center as well um, and at an elementary school. She's a woman of many talents. And so Antila has been with us multiple times before. You've got to hear her on, um, but this is her first time as part of the team. And so we're excited to have her on today. Um, Becca McKay has also joined us and um, just a, a really great practical conversation. So here we are now talking about repair, reflect, and readjusting. Um, it is Becca and Tila and I. Here we are. Well, okay, as we talked about earlier, we're here with Antila Love and with Becca McKay. And Antila is a recurring guest, so most of you probably know uh, her and her story and her family story. You've heard her with her husband, Matthew, before on with us. Um and now I guess let's, let's start with this Antila before we jump into the conversation. Um, why don't you, for people who don't know you or are not familiar with you, why don't you share a little about yourself, what you do, and then how you guys got connected to ETC in the beginning. Yes. Um, Hey, I'm glad to be back. Um, we got connected with ETC probably 2017, 2018, um, after some things in our home just weren't working <laughs> um, with raising two small girls, ages three and five. Um, and I also was pregnant. So it was just a lot going on. Um, so that's kind of our story of just, and also we lived close to Moentana. So we were just getting all the goods all the time <laughs> and realized that we just needed to, you know, dip our toes in just a little bit. Um, I work at an elementary school part-time and I also am part-time at MFCC as of last week. (laughs) So um, I'll be working a little bit with Becca um, and then with Safe and Secure with Rachel. So excited about that. Awesome. And you're hearing different like names and abbreviations. So if you're, if you're just tuning in for the first time, MFCC is uh, the Memphis Family Connection Center, which is one of our programs, one of Empowered to Connect's programs, which is a um, holistic integrated family mental health clinic here in Memphis, Tennessee. And then Safe and Secure Tennessee is an ambassador org of the Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development. And we do organizational trainings um, across the state of Tennessee uh, for schools, organizations, families, uh, not families, just kidding, schools, organizations, uh, nonprofits, uh, systems, you name it. So, uh, so that, that's that. So Antila has a very full plate, um, as well as having three kids. <laughs> so, uh, Antila, we're going to talk today about repair, which we were joking about before we came on is 
easy for all of us to talk about because there's lots of it happening and needing to happen. Um, so that before we do that, Becca, will you just kind of read, um, give us kind of the overview of this connecting practice as it's laid out in Cultivate Connection? Absolutely. Um, so the connecting practice is repair, reflect, readjust. Uh, it's our first ever three in one. <laughs> so we always have three core components, but in this one, they really are three different things. So first we want to repair after a rupture. So we define a rupture as like a break in relationship. And as the adult in the relationship with the the kids in our home or in our school or in our childcare setting or however we're interacting with them, we want to take ownership of initiating repair after relational ruptures. Then we want to reflect after an interaction. And there's like a million, you know, th there's a lot to that. You could reflect in so many different ways. And we hope that people will remember one of our first uh, connecting practices of being curious as they reflect. But really here, after something happens, after an interaction, um, we, we really want to think about what was going on with the kiddo, what was going on with us or the adult in the situation, and then what was going on in the environment around us? Like what kind of, where were we? Who was there? What were the demands being placed on the kid? Um, and if we skip this step, it's really going to set us up to have a, a similar rupture in the future. So we want to we want to reflect so that we can readjust either our expectations or our supports. Um, maybe we are putting kids in situations that are just not fair for them, you know, like going straight from school to soccer practice to grandma's house. Like maybe that's too many demands on the kiddo. So we need to readjust our expectations or maybe we need to readjust our supports. Maybe it's okay for us to have a busy schedule, but we are constantly checking in. We've got some plans in place. We've got some proactive stuff that we're doing with our kids to help them. Um, I know it's a lot to unpack because it's a lot. We won't, go super deep into each one of those core components on today's conversation, but it's just kind of this whole idea. You know, the picture of it is, is like the little settings gear on your phone or your laptop. And it's just that idea of like fine tuning. So stuff's going to happen. It just is in relationships. <laughs> human relationships are messy. And so the little gear reminds us like, okay, let's make some tweaks. Let's make some adjustments. Yeah. Let's be thoughtful and let's take ownership for repairing. Yeah. Antilla, in light of that, kind of what's your favorite thing about this connecting practice? Um, I don't know if this would be my favorite, but one that I have to do often is repair. Um, because, you know, it's all about just owning our mistakes, um, seeking that forgiveness, modeling what it looks like to apologize to one another. Yeah. Um, and I've just seen that it has really transformed just even like for a couple of my kids, just not really wanting to apologize mm -hmm. um, and don't think that they're ever in the wrong. But me modeling, like if I said something, hey, I'm really sorry I said that. I should not have said that. They are now coming to me like, you know what I said yesterday? I'm really sorry I said that. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like there's unprompted. This is awesome. You know, I'm not saying that it happens every time, um, but it's just more thoughtful apologies are happening now and not just like, well, mom says I have to say sorry. So sorry. Um, so I try to kind of leave that open. Like, how would you like to make it better? Mm -hmm. So that they're able to think, you know, whatever person they're needing to make it better with, what they kind of enjoy and like and do and that sort of thing to yeah. be able to 
really repair the way that they see fit and not because I said you need to apologize. Yeah, I think it's it's funny that we we get in this mode of like uh the criticism of this particular connecting practice is usually just a giant eye roll at the thought of parents apologizing. I mean, like, what are you, you're setting your kids up to think they run the house. And I love you mentioned modeling because it's a hundred percent the opposite, right? Like you are setting your kids up to understand how to run a house. And that means that you are owning your mistakes, that you are um, coming and and owning your part of a rupture. Because if, if a blow up happened nine times out of 10, two people were at play in, in that rupture, right? There might've been one most egregious act, but like most likely there was stuff, you know, festering on both sides that led to that. And so to model owning that in the process of apologizing and even modeling how to apologize is so helpful. Now, at some point I would love for it to flip where our kids started modeling that for their younger siblings, you know, like, um, and it didn't have to be us modeling all the time. <laughs> and it will at some point, but what we're doing is is showing them what a healthy relationship looks like. And I think that's why the reflect piece is so important because uh, one kind of, I would say like, if you're thinking of, of uh, becoming a person like school, one like master's level skill as an adult is figuring out environmental circumstances that could be causing a meltdown in yourself or in your kids. And so like being able to stop and think further than, well, he can't talk to me that way. Like he popped off and that's why, you know, he got in trouble and he can't talk to me that way. And he's going to learn that. Like, instead of just that, it's like thinking the five steps back as that pot began to boil, like what was creating that setting. And we've had times before as a family where like, we've, we've been stumped about, you know, why does this keep causing meltdowns? And you realize it's something with, event fan is too loud or lights are too bright in the setting or there's too much noise from other people in the room. And, and so you're, that's causing a, a, a low underlying buzz of stress behind. So then the trigger to actually melt down is much quicker to pull. And so I think for us, that's been one of the most helpful things is like learning how to, how to see behind just that immediate behavior and how to like detective work your way back into seeing what could have happened. So I love that you mentioned that. Um, I think too, it's just that both of y'all have said like the reminder that it starts with us. Like, I think yeah. both of you have kind of mentioned different aspects of that. And, you know, we all have the same goal, like adults in general who care about kids who are like positive adults, whether they are parenting or caregiving from like a super punitive and shame-based method, or whether they're using more attachment-based principles, we want the same thing. We want kids who can express their emotions appropriately. We want kids who can, who can say sorry after they've hurt someone. We want kids who can change their behavior at times and be, you know, like, um, we want them to be healthy adults. And I think so many times we forget that like it starts with us. So I just love, I think what I love about this connecting practice is it really reminds me of my role in it is not necessarily to fix the kid or even my own behavior right away. But my role is this kind of like, what do I need to tweak here? Like, what do I need to adjust? Yeah. What do I need to do? And how do I show them the repair piece for me? What I love about it is it takes off the pressure. Like, I, anything can happen between me and a kid. The blow up can be bad. It can be really, really bad. And I can find a way to offer my presence to that kid again. 
and start fresh. Um, and I can do that because of my own like mental boundaries, because of my own emotional boundaries, like because of the work I've done internally. I don't know. It's probably like too, I'm go, going too deep into the like counselor social work mindset there. But I just love that both of y'all talked about that because I think it's so true. And in the day-to-day busyness, this step, we often can just skip because it takes time after right. the fact. And once something's over, like we just want to keep it moving. Like we want to move on to the next, like, okay, that happened with brother and now sister's crying. Like, we're, okay, I'm done with that. And so when we can, not perfectly, not every time, but when we yeah. can repair, reflect and readjust, it really just helps everybody, I think, function better. Uh, yeah, one more thing on that, Becca, too. Like the the idea of uh, readjusting takes the, you said this, takes the pressure off. And I'm thinking for myself, like somebody who like, if I make a mistake or I cause eruption relationship, like, I'm going to beat myself up worse than anybody can ever shame me for the hurt that I've caused. So the readjust piece reminds me that like, it's that I'm not over, like I am not that rupture. Like I am not a constant source of pain for people around me, but I am in process too. And when I make a mistake, there's a readjusting so that I get a little bit better at that skill. I have another practice of being humbled and then being reminded of why it's important to do X, Y, or Z thing. And then I'm reminded like there's other factors besides just my involvement in it. So if you are somebody who suffers from that kind of shame-based place of repair where you're you're like, I don't know if I can do this again because I just can't keep apologizing. You have to remember that like, that's for life. (laughs) Like we're apologizing for life because- we are not perfect. And if we're not perfect and we're not going to achieve perfection while we're here um, living, then we're going to repair our whole life. And so it's less of a, um, I I don't like thinking of it as a rupture, like a break necessarily, as much as it is like a malfunction, right? So like there's a, like an oil change needed, or there's a, you know, a brake pad needing to be changed out. Like instead of it being like, well, She's totaled, you know, like, um, and so I think that that gives me hope to remember I can just make something, something messed up and instead of like, Oh, how do I do that again? I'm the worst. It's like, man, what the heck cost that? Oh, well I was this, this, and this, and I, Oh, I didn't have breakfast either. And that's probably why I, like, so when you get curious about yourself too, you realize it's malfunctions, not breaks. Like you're not broken. Your kid's not broken. There's just these malfunctioning parts in relationship that we have to tune up and, you know, in a lot of ways, you don't know that until you see it happen. Right. So, um, so there's hope if you are one who drowns in shame. Um, yeah, we do. We definitely see that way deeper than that. <laughs> no, we went so deep. Um, all right. What are some common, we've mentioned some of this, but Antila, some common like missteps or, or mistakes or misconceptions that you hear when you're talking about this particular connecting practice. Um, a big one is I don't need to apologize to my child. I'm in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and period. Yes. Like, you know what? Some days I feel that. Yeah. However, um, and then another one is just like, you know, having unrealistic expectations for your child. And this is where, I have to really be mindful. Um, And I guess we can talk about this a little later with how I'm planning to use it, but um, just being mindful of parenting the child in front of you um, and not comparing, not uh, 
you know, parenting for the future and all the worries and things that come with tomorrow. Um, so I think that a common mistake or misstep is that they should kind of bend to our expectations again, because we're in charge. We pay the bills. We do all the things period. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure to hold too. Like if you have that mindset, it's a lot of pressure of like, well, I said it, so it should happen. And so when it doesn't, what does that say about me? What does that say about us? Like, it's a lot of pressure to hold whenever you do have that mindset, but it's super common. Like you said, like, yeah, you don't pay the bills around here. (laughs) Um, I think too, whenever people start to try to reflect a common misstep is they like, I mean, maybe I'm only speaking to like overthinkers unite, um, which is me, but I think sometimes with the reflect piece, a misstep is if there is something that goes wrong, just really, like you said, JD, the shame and the blame and well, I should have, oh, well, I I did. Well, I didn't know. And so I also think like a misstep is thinking that we can outthink the problem. Like Mm. life is messy. People are messy. Don't we all make mistakes? And so why do we try so hard to not like we try so hard sometimes to like, uh, make everything perfect, almost to the point of like walking on eggshells around every single situation. Yeah. And so I think one misstep is thinking, well, if I reflect appropriately, there will be no more blowups. There will be no more meltdowns. There will be no more problems Yeah. versus just this mindset of like, no, like the gear never leaves. Like we're always tweaking the gear because think about like the brightness on your computer screen. We're in an office right now with like light streaming in and my computer has this like auto brightness setting and it's constantly shifting, trying to like be the right amount of light. That's more what this is like in real life. It's not like the correct setting is seven out of 10 brightness. Like, no, the correct setting depends on if I'm at home in a dark room in the winter time or like in this bright office. So I think that's a misstep that I feel like at least maybe I'm the only overthinkers anonymous (laughs) unite. Like at least I get into this like shame of, Oh, I should have known better instead of seeing it as like, no, seven out of 10 brightness worked yesterday in this context. And today it needs to be four out of 10 brightness. If that, I mean, I know I'm using an analogy, but. That was a great analogy. I'm like, yes, I'm writing that down. (laughs) Well, and I think until what you mentioned, just think about the two of what, what the two of you mentioned again, going back to like, it's, if we get caught thinking down here, um, I listened to a podcast, uh, (laughs) if you get caught thinking at like a too basic of a level, like a, like a ground level way of thinking. And someone tells you, Hey, if you have a rupture with your kid, you need to go apologize. It, it, nothing can more quickly revert you to a childlike mindset than that (laughs) sentence, because what immediately wells up, uh, he does. It's his fault. Like, and so if we get stuck thinking that we need to do this because it's a matter of justice, then you're going to have a very, very hard time because you're only going to be willing to apologize when you, in your own mind, committed the more egregious of the two errors in the relationship. If we remember that it's a teaching mechanism and that you're modeling as you do this, it it can keep you from overthinking. And it can also like, cause again, you, you, the overthinking turns into, oh yeah, I need a model. I'm not perfect. I'm taking the pressure off myself. You're not perfect. You're taking the pressure off of them. Hey, neither of us are perfect in a situation. I think here's what happened. I messed up. You messed up. Here, here's where I shouldn't have done this. And I'm going to work to try not to do this again, or I'm going to, you know, do this, this, or this to try to you know make an effort to be um, better in that area. But I wanted you to know, I'm sorry, that was not the right, because that that's the meat of it. Like, that's the real deal, like, 
what you're trying to get to is, hey, I want you to know I recognize that what I did hurt you. And I really don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, and I, I'm, I'm, say, I'm showing you, I see that's wrong. I'm going to work to not um, do that again or, or hurt you in that way. But I, I, I really feel sad about the way that I cause you to feel. And then hopefully there is, you know, over time, a, a transition of initiation to where over time, you know, your kids apologizing first, sometimes you're apologizing first, sometimes, and you're, you're showing them maturity and relationship and they can walk out of your house ready to be the initiator in repair because they've seen it modeled so well that it's become part of who they are. Also, I do want to push a little bit because I think a common misconception is that repair is only the apology part. And so yes to everything Uh you said. And sometimes there is nothing that you can apologize. Like sometimes there is a situation and repair just means, okay, instead of coming at this kid with like, well, are you ready to act right? Instead of coming with that energy, I'm going to decide it happened. The relationship is more important to me than the situation. And so I'm still going to be playful with them at dinner time, even though we had this big blow up. So yes to everything you said about modeling and all of those things. And sometimes repair just means being open to like a fresh start. And that takes a lot of internal work because we're not always feeling, we don't always feel like, Hey, I want to sit next to you at dinner and call you the silly nickname. Like sometimes we're like, I do want you to care about what you did to me and hurt my feelings. And so it's just that idea of like, okay, again, not perfectly, but like when possible, are we trying to have that mindset of like repairing the relationship? Like the relationship is more important to me than that situation. I don't know. Antila, what do you think about any of those ideas that we just kind of chatted through? Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that about, because that is one thing I think that I think about repair is always like apologizing, but sometimes it is just getting back to that playful engagement, getting back to homeostasis or whatever you want to say, just like the normal flow of your home and um, how it operates. So thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Uh, How are you guys, um, how are the loves using disconnecting practice in your house this summer? Like kind of in this like we're, if you're listening to this, when we record it, um, it, we're about to transition kind of out of summer into kind of back to school time, which has its own unique challenges, obviously. Um, how, how are you guys planning to use this during this time? Yeah, for, for the moment of like readjusting, <laughs> that's kind of living right now. Um, because, you know, we are getting back to school. We are, um, we will have new schedules, um, all of the things. We have, you know, one child starting middle school, bless. Oh my goodness. Um, so we're just heavy in the transitions and expectations and all of the things. Um, so I have really been kind of digging in. I'm going to, sh- you know, shamelessly plug Equip Parent Coaching and Cultivate Connection. But um, part of the like reflect, readjust is talking about the connected parenting journey. Mm. Um, So I'm living a lot in like my desired outcome. That's kind of where I parent is like, if I know something's going to happen at this party, you're just not going to go. Instead of like teaching my kids how to navigate Mm. hard things or, you know, it doesn't have to be a party, but just in those moments where I'm 
parenting for fear of the future. Yeah. I miss who they are right now in this moment. So I am always like parenting 18, 23, 25 year olds where it's like, yeah. no, they're five, 10 and 12. Yeah. Like how can I adjust my expectations, really kind of lean into that expectation gap to make sure that my fear is not coming out in this parenting moment. Um, understanding that they have, you know, their own influences, they have their own uh, friend groups, they have their own, they come as their whole selves to any relationships. And so <sighs> I'm like taking a deep breath because I know new challenges are coming, especially with middle school and just have, having to navigate that. So I really want to, again, like going through that grief process, the whole thing, I'm like heavy in it right now um, because I do want to be present and I do want to be connected. I am trying my best not to like disengage with things that I don't want to handle or deal with right now. Um, so yeah, I feel like I rambled a little bit, but that's kind of where I am right now. <laughs> Great. That, that, thank you for sharing that. That's, I think it's a, like that parenting from fear piece is so much easier. <laughs> it is so much easier. Just be like, mm, getting in a car with another teenager. No, never. <laughs> you won't like you will only ride with certified adults. <laughs> like, and like, it's because there's a, there's this, like a, at heart, a good desire to protect your kids and take care of them. And you love them and don't want stuff to happen. But then you and I will go get in the car and go drive somewhere. And so like, we're putting ourselves in the same risk. So I think the the reminder is like to parent where they're at. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Like it's where it takes more work because you have to be present and you got to kind of be aware of where your kids' skill levels at. Like, and they might be beyond or below their years, so to speak, of ability. And so it's not just a, well, you're not this age yet. You can't do like it, you got to think about ability and where they're at and, and kind of using that scaffolding to like help them get to the point where they can do those different things. And so it is, it is much harder, but I, like, I think you're right. Like it's the, it's the way to go. Um, especially in this season of, uh, like we're in a similar season of like elementary and middle school sort of, uh, stuff. And it is, um, it's lots of transition like over and over again. And I'll think I have a grip on how to handle, X, Y, or Z thing, and then something will shift and we're in a new, <laughs> we got to figure out a new tactic, you know? So, um, it's so good to, to think about, you said, uh, I'll, I spend a lot of time parenting 18 and 25 year olds. Like there is so much fear of like, well, what are you going to be like as an adult? Like, am I going to be able to trust you at college? Like all those things that's so real. And I think that that is like the ever present inner dialogue of adults is like, okay, are they going to be okay as adults? And so just remembering that like this way of interacting with them that takes into account who they are and what they need and all those things is going to prepare them for adulthood, whether that adulthood looks the way that I hope that it does or doesn't. Yeah. I still get to be a figure in their life. If I commit to this way, to this yeah. present connection based attachment, all those, you know, all the big, all the big things that we love to talk about. So I think that, man, that really hit me though. Cause I was like, Oh man, like, mentally am i am i engaging with this 12 year old as a 12 year old or oh. am i putting 25 year old expectations on them yes sometimes we put higher expectations on kids than our own selves oh my gosh so <laughs> much so yeah so <laughs> i think that was a good reminder go ahead no i was saying 100 percent, and <laughs> and i think just like to be honest like culturally raising black children that's even more like 
oh, for the love. Like we just have so many other things to worry about. Yeah. Um, and so I just feel like, I don't know, just in that fear of like, sorry, um, them getting older and then obviously middle school's coming. They're not, you know, the little three, five, six year olds. They're like about to be teenagers and teenagers yeah. are treated differently. Um, our five-year-old is a cute little five-year-old, but in a couple years, he, he may or may not be seen as um, aggressive or whatever, the hypersexualization of black girls. So it's like all these things where I'm just like, ah, okay, take a deep breath. Yeah. Moment. They're five, 10, and 12, you know, <laughs> let yeah. me figure out how I can parent them now. Obviously I want to set them up for success and a little more common sense and things like that. Um, but that will take time. I was going to say that plays into how you readjust, right? Like that, like you have different, you have like additional layers to think through that not everybody does because of, because of their context. Like, and so I think that, yeah, like, I mean, there's, there's an element of that in our house too, that our, you know, sweet, cute, short, uh, oldest child is now like towering over me and, uh, is a giant. He's 13. So like, uh, and he's black. And so like, he will not always, um, fit the, the description of a safe person to everybody who he's around and that's wrong. But, um, if we don't prepare him for that reality, then that's, not fair. So we're going, we're going a different direction in this podcast now. So I'm going to like steer us back in because <laughs> that's a whole, like, that's probably a three hour longer discussion um, every week for the next <laughs> 10 years. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I do think that's part, I mean, that's part of it. That's part of the, the factors like that go into the readjusting and, and the reflecting, right? Um, okay. We're just going to go back to lighthearted. What is your favorite example of this connecting practice in a movie, book, or TV show? Um, most recently I watched Elemental. Um, and I think that it was a great example of one, like a daughter repairing with her father, um, of some things like he had expectations for her and she just was like, this is not who I want to be. Um, and then of course she's water falls or no, she's fire falls in love with water and they're trying to like figure out how to make it work. So then everybody kind of has to readjust and realize that it's okay for them to love each other. Like you don't have to just stick with your people um, essentially. So everybody was kind of readjusting once they kind of fell in love and you know, the story, but um, that was a really good movie for us to watch with our kids. Um, so yeah. Awesome. That's okay. a great one. I um man, I was I was sitting and thinking about this for a long time and I think I already have used a lot of my books and TV show examples throughout this series, but series, but I think about like most stories have a conflict. That's like kind of the point. And there's like think about every rom-com at some point she gets mad at the businessman from the big city and it's not going to go okay. And then she readjusts her life expectations and finds love in the small town. Like, but it is kind of like a funny, like, uh, I know it's a stereotype and it's like a what, whatever, but oh, I think about, example, yeah. I think about like that idea of like repair, reflect, readjust, like after those major, you know, those major conflicts and kind of those, any 
big storyline, whether it's fantasy, whether it's rom-com, whether it's whatever adventure, there's some kind of conflict and the person either resolves the conflict with that person or has to go a different way, has to adjust their expectations and go a different way. I've I've talked about this show before um, during this series, but it's a different story, different example, but there's a TV show called Primo. You should watch it. It's really, really awesome. Um, it's about a family or a, a single mom and her son. They are um, Mexican in San Antonio with five uncles that live in and out of the house. Like that's kind of the premise of the show. And so tons of family interactions, tons of uncle interactions. And one of the, one of the best pictures of this in particular is uh, they're all giving him relationship advice and he's trying to figure out how to um, how to ask a girl out and they're all telling him different pieces of advice and he the the short of it is like he and then his mom reinforces like he's got to go his own way like you guys have to like move into like an advisory role. You are not here to like tell him how to do things like he's going to do things his own way. And so they move into sort of just offering help and being there to sort of help with things here or there as they're asked for it. And it's a really cool picture of some of those transitions happen in life. And like we do, I mean, as parents, especially we go from like having to get our kids dressed physically because they can't do it on their own to then letting them get dressed, making their clothes choices for them to like letting them begin to make theirs. And so like, it's a, uh, it's a good picture of just that, like readjusting specifically because they, it shows that transition of them, like beginning of the, like move into an advisory role instead of just this, like, Oh, Primo, here's what you need to do. And so it's, it's really good. The show's called Primo. It's on Amazon prime. Uh, and you should definitely watch it. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts you have like last thoughts before we get off this topic. One day at a time. One day at a time. Amen. Yeah. 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 Just keep going. I think that's it. Yeah. Like just, just don't give up as long as you get up and try again. That's it. Um, so yeah, well guys, thank y'all. This was great. Well, again, just, I, I think something to remember as we leave this conversation is that, um, you are not broken. Your child is not broken. Something's just malfunctioned in the relationship. And, uh, there, this is a, a great moment for us to reframe and remind ourselves that uh, when we have ruptures, when we have um, these different uh, episodes that come up between us relationally, um, this could be with your kids, with your spouse, with your um, aunt, uncle, mom, dad, whatever, um, with a friend. When these things come up, um, it it is so very often not just that moment that caused whatever that rupture was. And so we want to always um, take these thoughts into consideration in those situations as well. Um, repairing the rupture, then reflecting on what caused it, and then readjusting to ensure less ruptures in the future. So uh, I hope that was helpful for you. I mean, it definitely was for me. So if nobody else got anything out of it, I sure did. <laughs> so uh, that's all we got for today. We'll be back next week with, I believe, uh, one of our last connecting practice episodes for the summer, and we're gearing up for a great fall. Um, we'll have tons of new content coming for you as well. Really excited about that. For everybody here at Empowered to Connect, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast, and everybody here at Empowered to Connect. I'm JD Wilson, and we will see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast. <laughs>